Hey everyone, welcome back to The Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I am your host, and today we're joined by returning guest, Mr. Slavik Moradu Slavik. How's it going today? Bro, I am so glad to be back. Uh, it's good to be here with you, and it's been a great day for me. That's awesome. I'm excited to have you back. Uh, when I was thinking of this topic, I was just kind of going like in my head kind of through like either previous guests or potential future guests and uh you were definitely on the top of that list just because you know that your background your experience and uh your insights so i'm really excited to kind of jump into this uh i think it'll be great especially for the people out there listening absolutely man i'm looking forward to it i think one of the biggest passions that i have in life is to see younger people raise up and preach the gospel and i'm really thrilled for this topic today Absolutely. And since you were a previous guest of mine um, earlier this year, I won't, I won't make you introduce yourself again. You, can, you guys can go and check that episode out. Uh, but I do want to make a couple of announcements before we jump right in. And they're pretty much the same thing you guys have been hearing um, over the course of the last few weeks. But uh, on Instagram, you can find us at The Potter's House for any and all updates. Uh, we're available for streaming on multiple platforms, most notably uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you do have an iPhone, please go to the Apple Podcasts app. Scroll down, tap the stars. It really helps the exposure with the exposure of the show. And if you leave a written review, um, I'd also appreciate that. And I will read that out loud on the show eventually. So thank you for those who have already done that. Um, also, website, you guys know, no updates yet. Hopefully in this uh, winter season, I'll be able to update that as soon as I can. Uh, speaking of the winter season, um, this week we have an episode next week will be uh, some sort of Christmas special. At least that's the plan for now. So the next week, uh, December 15th, will be the last episode of 2021. And then I'll resume back, I believe it's uh, Wednesday, January 19th, or whichever whichever Wednesday is after Martin Luther King Day. So that'll be when we resume back. So again, take about a month off. Uh, and the reason why, the biggest reason why, is because as you've heard these last couple of weeks, we do have that New Year's conference coming up in Southern California in Orange County that we're hosting. And uh, if you've been listening recently, I've been announcing that um, on Instagram. You can follow for any and all updates um, at New Year's OC. And uh, we recently just posted everything. There's a link tree. You can go to that and you can find discounted hotel rates. You can find the group me where you can hop in and we'll post all the announcements there. And you can also find that registration link to let us know Um that you're coming so we can see how many people are coming just to kind of accommodate and plan for you all. So I'm excited for that, excited for you guys to come for New Year's, and I think it'll be a blessed time. So uh, get on that. So I think that's it, Slavic. I just wanted to get that out quickly just because we have such a rich and dense episode ahead of us. And that's um, awesome. Yeah, and I, I reached out to you just because, like, I always wanted to talk about uh, sermon prep just because it was, it was something a little more applicable to me too, you know? Um, yeah, a lot of episodes I've had in the past were episodes I didn't really relate to. And I asked some like, not, not necessarily an expert, but someone who's kind of lived through it, experienced it just cause they can provide better insight than, you know, me by myself. Uh, for example, like all like the, with Danny Kovacs and his wife with the relationship episode, don't have much experience with that. So obviously I'm not married, so I got them to come on. Or a couple of weeks ago, I had, uh, Dr. Chris Bernan talk about, uh, abortions from a clinical perspective. Yeah, that's obviously awesome. he had that perspective. I didn't, so it's nice to have someone who has a little more experience. But with this topic, I'm like, okay, I'm excited because 
I get to offer some of my insight, but at the same time, I got to reach out to another like well-versed preacher and see his perspective as well. And we can compare, we can contrast, we can build. And I think it's exciting, not only for the young people who are growing to be preachers or maybe speaking and teaching as their spiritual gift, um, but even people in the in the pews, laity, other 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 people with other gifts, people who listen to sermons. You know, I think it's important to make sure we're listening to the right things. Just because, yeah, um, yeah. and I've and I've had previous experiences where I've been in in, in a group setting, and um, someone would say like, "Oh, that sermon was one of the best I've heard in my life," and I'm just thinking, I'm like, um, maybe maybe it maybe it was an impactful moment for you because the Holy Spirit worked in your heart. But I was there. It was not the best sermon you've heard in your life. Yeah. Or if it was, I'd be gravely concerned. So I think it's important that we talk about this, uh, the prep, Absolutely. the the buildup of a sermon, the everything else, how we analyze analyze ourselves afterwards, uh, not only for the preachers out there, but for for everyone, all Christians, all believers, all uh, people who listen to sermons. So, um, Slavic, why don't you start us off? When did you start first preaching, and how how was that? Uh, how was your preaching life uh, towards the beginning of your of your ministry? Absolutely. So I grew up in a Christian family, and my dad was a preacher. And that's one thing that I decided I'll never do in life is preach, which is very <laughs> odd because I feel like God had last laugh on that. But um, what happened was that I was around sixteen years old. Um, I went to a prayer, and there was this grandpa who he was famous for putting people on the spot. So he turns to me, he says, okay, well, get ready, you're preaching next. And I barely even spoke English. And (laughs) somehow he got me to get up there and preach. I remember it was seven minutes. um, And then people came up to me and said, hey, you did a great job. How long have you been preaching? And I was dumbfounded. And I was like, you actually got something out of that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that was 2000, I believe, 2006. So it's been quite, quite some time. Um, but in the early uh, years, I was, you know, you're young and you have a passion for the Lord and you want to see people who are lost being saved and in do, you do it because you have a passion. But I think as with, with everything, you have to make sure that that passion is informed by, by uh, biblical theology. Because sometimes, you know, I always joke and say, we don't sell tractors here. We're dealing with people's lives. Yeah. And the the things that we say has the massive impact to to uh, change people's lives for the good or for the, the bad. And um, one thing that you've mentioned right at the beginning that you heard people say, oh, that was the greatest sermon. I've seen so many times and I'm like, my question was, was it the greatest sermon because it challenged you, because it offended you, because it caused you to repent? Or was it the greatest sermon because you just heard what you wanted to hear? Ooh. Or it was just a just a, a pile of, you know, motivational speech mixed with business sort of motivation and psychology and humor. Because I think a lot of the modern day messages are kind of like that, with a lot of helpful advice. But when I think of biblical preaching, I think of preaching that is Christ exalting, mm-hmm. that is that is glorifying God, that's life um, uh, transforming, right? Um, that is, um, it has only one star and it's not you, it's Jesus. 
that every single road points to Jesus as the answer for our problems, for our sin, for our dysfunction. So um, a lot of people say things like, well, I don't know if I want to preach because I don't feel like I'm ready and my life is not in order, you know? And my response is, as long as you don't preach yourself, as long as you're preaching Christ, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You see, like we don't preach ourselves there, we preach Christ. And I think if you approach it from that perspective, now, of course, should we have our life in order when we preach? Absolutely. But I would start off by saying, uh, check your motives and check where you preach. Make sure that you preach Christ because he is the answer. He is the solution. He's the um you know, the, the, the healing balm and, and the medicine that we need. And if we get up there and we entertain people and we just give helpful advice, yeah, that's great. They might think you're a great person, um, but this is not life transforming. So I think for me at the beginning of my career, I just wanted people to like me and I was passionate Um, but I am so glad for the mentors in my life and people that made sure that grounded me and told me, boy, you need to repent Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you need to, you need to, you know, spend time in, in actually studying the word of God. And I think this is where kind of leads me to, uh, what I was going to, uh, kind of from the beginning say is, um, it's not just what you say is how did you even get there? Um, have you spent hours and hours preparing for that? Have you spent hour in, uh, hours in prayer, you know, for that moment? Because to us, we think of preaching as something that just happens on stage. But before you even get to the stage, there's so much more. It's like, do Seahawks win the games when they get, uh, get to play? Sort of, but really they win their games in how they practiced. Mm-hmm. Because they, if they haven't spent the last year practicing, when they get on the field, right, <laughs> that's just a highlight, right? But they've done so much work before that. And when I think of preaching, it's not just what you do on stage, it's who you are, how you prepare, um, how you practice before you even get up there. So I think for me in my early career, it was all about, hey, how can I get in front of people as soon as possible? Instead of saying, okay, how do I make sure that I'm the right person? with the right message, and I've prepared for this, and now when I get up there, it's just a natural progression of that process. Yeah, and I had like a similar similar background as well, um, where I come from a family of preachers as well. My dad's a preacher, my uncle's a, a renowned preacher, and um, I, I probably wasn't in the same boat. I never really, it's not like I imagined myself preaching. I was just kind of going with the flow when I was younger, but you kind of get thrown on the spot. That's how, that's the... The Eastern European way, whether you're Romanian or Slavic, they kind of just throw you up there. You have to wing it, um, and you start off young, and it's a little choppy. But luckily for us, and luckily for a lot of people out there, um, they were able to recognize the potential, and they were able to kind of mold and pour into that person so mm-hmm. that they can rise yes. to the to what they what they could be, you know. And that's I think that's so uh, interesting. But um, when it comes to let's say we're, we're preparing a sermon, and you kind of talked about. Mm-hmm emphasizing the before the practice who you are as a person mm-hmm. um let's say generally let's say we have a guy over here and he's he's has to preach on sunday and, it, and it's monday and he was told by his pastor yeah. has to preach on sunday well generally speaking what is the first thing that this guy should do what would be like a initial thing to do 
Yeah, it, it's it's funny because a lot of people ask me, what motivates you? What inspires you to preach on Sunday morning? I'm like, a schedule. Yeah. And they laugh at it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're like, well, you don't have this amazing like inspiration for sermons. I'm like, well, there is there is truth to that because you see when I'm on schedule, I realize that I have to spend time in prayer. You know, uh, so I think the first thing that you want to do is making sure that you have maybe a small group, you have somewhere where you can exercise this gift in a safe way with people who are your mentors and who are, you know, mature believers who will, you know, call you out when you make a mistake and lovingly correct you. But as far as what do I do for preparation, I find it very hard to sit down and write a sermon. For me, it's never been that. Um, I, I actually find it really difficult to do that where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to sit down, I'm inspired, I'm going to write a sermon. It's always been where I will spend weeks and weeks preparing for, on a topic and I have no idea how that's going to come together on Sunday morning, but I'm soaked and marinated, if you will. I know it's kind of weird language, but mm-hmm. in in that topic, in, this, in the verses on that topic, on commentaries, you know, and... In that process of maybe a week, two, three weeks, depends, you know, how fast I'm I'm supposed to be preaching. I'll be spending, I honestly can say that I could spend anywhere from 10 to 40 hours sometimes per sermon of preparation, you know. And naturally what happens is God starts to convict me with that sermon before I even get up there. So when I get up there, I I, I don't say this in a way that is to be boastful, but I, I don't really look at the notes much. Uh, I look at the notes when I have quotes or when I read the verses, but because I've been marinating in this topic and God has been convicting me, um, I find it that, you know, it's so much easier to communicate that, that, that message to looking people in the eye versus looking at your notes. Uh, I've done it before when I had the whole sermon written, but then you end up just reading it and you're not connecting with the audience. Yep. So for me, preparation is submersing myself in that topic. Let's say if my pastor says, hey, we are going through the book of James, and I need you to preach on James 1 or James 2, I will be spending hours and hours and hours pouring over that chapter, uh, looking up different sermons on that passage. And one thing you don't want to do is is listen to the same sermon they like over and over, because you don't want to copy that sermon. For Mm -hmm. me, it's it's listening to a whole bunch of sermons on that um, on that topic, and I think you know, um, kind of scholarly integrity is so important that you don't take someone's idea and claim it as your own. So, I will spend hours and hours going over that that uh, passage and commentaries and what other preachers are saying than that. And if I borrow their ideas, I will give them credit. But normally what happens by spending this time, God gives you your own ideas. Um, And I won't say your own ideas, because that's a bit deceiving. It's not your own ideas, it's God's ideas, but it's he reveals his will and what you should say. And normally it has to do with any passage needs to lead to, to Jesus, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so to me, is it, God convicts me without sermon, me before anybody else. It it, it um, and then once I kind of stumble against what God has convicted me, then it leads me to my own repentance. So before I get up there, I've studied up and I prayed up and I repented up, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. and that's kind of the process. And normally the note part. I might spend 
you know, the day before, or even on that day, just jotting down my scriptures and quotes. And, and it's usually, sometimes I don't really even know how the sermon connects until I get up there. But I've spent a couple of weeks pouring over that. Um, so unless you are told last minute that you're preaching, uh, in those cases, I would take maybe a sermon that I've preached before. Um, but normally, that's kind of the process that I prepare. Um, and um, one thing I want to say is one one of the um, uh, one of my friends asked me, Slavik, so how do you go and preach when you just sinned and you have to preach tomorrow morning? Right? Like that was a question. I was like, well, how do you deal with it? He says, well, if I just sinned and I'm supposed to preach next few days, I feel unworthy to get in front of people. And my question to him was, when were we ever worthy? Yeah. Right? Like we're never worthy. So my challenge to him is that, well, if you sin, you need to repent in that moment, right? And you need to give that to the Lord. But this idea that one day you'll be ready or you're going to be worthy, we were never worthy. The only reason we're worthy is because of what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. And if you sin, repent. And when you get up there, preach Christ. Don't preach yourself and you'll be fine. Because when you get up there, you don't say things like, oh, look how good I'm doing about this. No, you you preach Jesus. Now, of course, you don't want to go with this and live a sinful lifestyle. I mean, God forbid. But to me, I have to always preach the grace of Jesus to myself first, preach that sermon to me. So that sermon needs to convict me first. It needs to do the work in me first. And when I get up there, um, when I preach it to others, I'm already prayed up, repented up, and so on. So that's kind of part of the process that I do almost. It. And I, obviously, I can go into a lot of other details I can go into, but I guess we'll get to that. Yeah, and I think the biggest difference when it comes to I guess preparing for a message is whether or not you've been assigned a certain topic, like you were saying, like being mm-hmm. assigned by your pastor, James 1 or James 2. And um, I think, like, if you're, for example, if you're not assigned something, you're just asked to preach, then yes, like you preach what you've been kind of soaking in for the last couple of weeks. Or, I mean, as a preacher, when you're, I mean, per, me speaking personally, when I'm reading through a certain p- part of scripture and I'm, I'm just doing my daily devotion, and then I see something, I come across something, I, it pops I, It pops up to me, it's revealed to me, and I, I can literally make sometimes a three-point sermon out of that. It's like, wow, okay, let yeah. me shelve that for later because that could apply in this. And there have been times even where the Holy Spirit convicted me to go talk to a person, and then that that person gave me a message, you know, and this this happened a few months ago. So with that, that's that, that's how you do it. But, it. but if, like, in the other case, when you're assigned something, either a topic or, or a, a particular passage— then yeah, I think it's important to to pray. I think beforehand, like God revealed yeah. to me what you want me to say in this passage, reveal to me the truth of your word, spend a lot, read like multiple times, and then obviously go from there. And and you're hundred percent right. If if we haven't we have one person once told me, you have to live your sermon. Like it has to be like a yeah. personal gut wrenching testimony from you that like God revealed this to you and now you want to reveal this good news to the people. Like this is how God worked in my life. It's almost like a testimony, but with more scriptural uh, backing. But but 100% right. And, and, and the whole, the sinning thing too, I think a lot, not only preachers, but a lot of people in ministry, a lot of Christians today are discouraged and believe that they are not worthy and, and they stop doing everything 
because of a certain sin in their life. And instead of, like you said, take the approach of repenting right away, yep. they feel guilty. They feel shameful. They, they step away. You, you see them not show up at church anymore. You see them start sitting in the back. I'm, I'm not saying everyone who sits in the back, but I'm saying they're they're much they're hiding it's like what adam and eve did when they first sinned they they went into hiding they hid from god yeah, yeah. and that's that's our natural human instinct to hide as soon as we as we sin but i think it's important to recognize that like you said we're preaching christ we're not preaching ourselves live a life full of repentance as we're going to sin i mean regardless of who we are we're probably going to sin that saturday before the sunday when we preach yeah, there'll be something yeah. and then we need to repent of that right of way to kind of get things straight away but no 100% agree and the enemy will try to get you angry. I remember when I was leading a youth ministry on Friday nights, and every single Friday, I knew that something will happen. I'll either get a ticket, or someone will call and drop something on me that I cannot handle in that moment. And I knew that the enemy is going to try to attack me right before I'm about to go speak. It, it was just a thing that I, I knew it's going to happen. And, and this is where you have to make sure that you're constantly walking repentance, you know, and, and preach Christ. But one thing that I don't know how prevalent this is in the Romanian culture, but in Slavic culture, there's this thing where people are like, oh, I don't prepare for sermons because I want the Holy Spirit to speak in the moment, right? Oh, yeah, we hear that. I don't that. know if that's... It is, it is, yeah. Me, and to me, it's just like, it's so bonkers. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, are you saying that the Holy Spirit cannot speak to you in a week before? Like, you know these people, you know they're struggling with, right? Like, the people you're preaching to, and maybe you're going visiting, but I'm like, to me, I'm like, are you saying that the Holy Spirit can only speak in that moment when you walk on the stage? The Holy Spirit can speak to you the night before. He can mm -hmm. speak to you the week before. So you don't have to wait. No, study your Bible. Know your Bible. And I think when it comes to styles of, of, of preaching, there's, you know, at least the primary two ways is expositionary or, sorry, expository, rather, or uh, topical, I try to always stick with more expository because I noticed how if I preach on topics, I usually choose the topics that I'm really, uh, you know, that I really favor. And or if I'm angry about something, then sometimes I'll preach on that topic. And and I just don't think that's that's the right way of approaching it. Now, sometimes the God will give you a specific um, uh, you could call it a, a, a uh, being zealous for his word, and you might speak a, a sermon on that. But I notice how, for me at least, I try to be faithful to the word because a lot of times you have a topic in your head and you'll pick up all these sermons to try to bolster or support what you want to already say. And I think that could be dangerous at times because then the message is you want to say something and you're using all these scriptures to sort of support that. To me, is 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 flipping that and going to the text, taking a chapter, understanding the context, the history, understanding the culture that this chapter is speaking, and then taking the principles and the convictions that you see in that particular half a chapter or a chapter, and then apply it in our modern day ways. And to me, it's like, okay, God, what do you want to say? Like, it's not. I have something to say, and I want to use these verses. I call it parachuting in the middle of the verse. I mean, this is a well-known thing where people kind of parachute in the middle of the chapter, rather, and they pick up a verse and like, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but read it in the context of which was written, where, you know, the, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. I've given, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And like, people just take one verse and they'll run with it, and they'll write a whole sermon on it. Now, sometimes they'll they'll be faithful and they'll interpret it the right way. 
But for me, expository preaching, it's been better in the sense that it causes me to look at that chapter and understand the culture, understand the history, understand the commentaries around it, what that passage means in different languages, and then bring it into our modern day. So for me, I think for the last, I would say, five years, I've been slowly moving away from topics. Now, of course, sometimes when you're at a funeral and you're doing the um, uh, the eulogy, like sometimes you have to speak on death because you're at a funeral. So sometimes you will speak on topics. But I would say on a regular Sunday morning service, um, I try to stick with taking a chapter and or half a chapter and going through it verse by verse and bringing the richness of of what God is trying to say and how the Old Testament points to this New Testament passage and so on. So I think to me that's 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 been pretty big, especially for the last five years, to be faithful to what God is trying to say, not what my agenda is or what I'm trying to say. You know? Yeah, and I know like typically with with topical messages, they usually work better in like a series. If you have a series and you're kind of yep. trying to break yeah. it up, Absolutely. which is totally fine. But again, again, we prefer the expository and a lot of people think they feel limited because they're they're strictly sticking to expository preaching sermons all that but you can get creative with that as well you can go through the scriptures and uh, a lot of people think like oh if if we're preaching at a wedding or at a funeral or for easter or for christmas we're limited to uh the certain passage of scripture where it talks about that but it's it's not true you can go through a random chapter in the bible uh, pray about it, read it, uh, perform your exegesis, draw it out, and apply it to something that's that you may not see. And that's that's the beauty of Scripture. I remember I was at one of my cousin's weddings like years ago, and, and my, my uncle asked my dad to preach, and my dad preached at a wedding from Psalm 23, you know, a, a, pa- mm-hmm. a, a passage where you don't really talk about weddings, but I, I, yeah. have, I have no clue. I don't remember what was what was preached, but you can do that as well, where you talk about something that may seem unrelated, but totally applicable, regardless of what you do. And I think if you do that, go to the scripture first. That's when you're going to have uh, just a more powerful message because it's it's from scripture rather than your own personal opinion. And I think that works way better. Yeah, and one thing that I always I, I like to ask of younger preachers, I have my nephew and he's like, I believe he's 10 or 11. So sometimes he shares a small word and he calls me and he says, okay, can you look at my notes, right? And the first question that I ask him, okay, where is Jesus in this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how does this lead to Jesus, you know? And and I want him to understand. Now, of course, there's going to be, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, sermons that you're speaking on marriage, you're speaking on. So a lot of times it's not going to be very straightforward um, Jesus is here type of type of message. But I want him from an early age to understand that the primary reason why we preach is that we preach Christ crucified and resurrected, mm-hmm. that the hope of the world is Jesus, that all of all of th- that we say it needs to be Christ glorifying and proclaiming him. One particular moment in my preaching career, this happened about three years ago. I have a mentor, he's about 72 years old, and uh, he was uh, at our church, and he asked me what I'm going to preach on next. And I told him that there's a passage in the Old Testament talks about how uh, I looked for a man to stand in the gap, and I found none, so I will pour out my wrath. I think something I'm paraphrasing, but something along those lines. So I told him, I'm like, I'm going to preach how we're supposed to 
you know, stand in the gap, you know? And he sends me an email that says, hey, can you stop by, by my house? And I'm like, sure, you know? So I stop by his house and he says, Slavik, this sermon that you're gonna preach, what do you mean by standing in the gap? And I'm like, you know, like, we are called to be a generation where we're gonna stand in the gap between people and God. And he looks at me and says, like, you mean like Jesus? Mm. Jesus did that, you know? He stood in the gap for all of us. Yeah. And he says, if you exalt him, he will draw everyone onto himself. So Slavic, get off the cross, um, mm. preach Jesus, you know? And I felt like I left his house and I'm like, I just gotta, I just got a whooping. <laughs> By a man who still um, sends emails, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, listen, if you mean like you're going to intercess for people, then okay, yeah, okay, sure. Stand in the gap in that way. But this idea that somehow you're going to be in the gap between God and humanity, Jesus did that. Mm-hmm. You just need to exalt him, you know? And I remember this is about three years ago, I believe. Um and it really, I was driving home, and on the one hand, I was very thankful for, for him, but on the other hand, I'm like, how did I miss this? How did I miss, well, I missed it by trying to preach what I had in mind versus, you know, what I, the Word of God really is about. And I think if you look through Old Testament, you know how he says that in the Old, Old Testament, uh, God is revealed, uh, sorry, concealed, and New Testament, he's revealed, right? Like, so you have that, you know, cryptic passages in, New, in the Old Testament that are revealed in the New Testament. So if you look at pretty much every single story in the Old Testament is points to this divine romance that God has with his people and points to one hero that's unlike anyone else, that's better. That, that, that's a better Samson, that's a better Gideon, that's a better Moses and David, and that is Jesus. And everything points to him, you know? And that's something that I'm learning more and more. How do I preach Jesus in every single sermon? Because ultimately, he is the hope for all of us. And this is the one, the first thing that I tell younger preachers, I'm like, get to Jesus. If you have to go through the valley, through the mountain peaks, whatever you have to do, get to Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think when I examine my own sermons, you know, sometimes I go back sermons that I preached in 2000, you know, 15, 16, whatever. I, I, I'm like, man, did I preach Jesus here? Like I, I asked myself those questions. Was I faithful to the word? You know, and I think those are good questions to ask every single time you preach, you know? Absolutely. So what we know now is we know that number one, preach Jesus, Christ crucified and resurrected. We know that the message should come from the Holy Spirit, whether Absolutely. whether you're assigned that passage and you read and you, you're inspired by the Holy Spirit and you're, the truths are revealed, or you've been kind of reading and studying on your own for weeks and you've given an opportunity to preach. Either of those two work. And like you said, yes, it's true for Romanians as well. Back, Not so much today, but back in the day, people would get basically ridiculed for coming up with notes, but it's like, because they're saying like, oh, what, the Holy Spirit didn't reveal it to you on the spot. I'm like... Like, okay, like, I've listened to your sermons, whatever the whole, that was not the Holy Spirit revealing to you anything, you know, it's like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm speaking generally, not, not specifically, but, but that happens. So it could be in either way. And then obviously remember that it's not about us, it's about Christ. And then we spend time in the word. And then at the end, you know, once we've lived through it, once we've kind of went through the pains uh, of preparing for this message, then we deliver it uh, for, for Christ's glory alone. Um, so, so we know that that's the preparation process and you can, I mean, for a, for a person, when it comes to the spiritual aspect, 
it's it's tailored to however they are as a person and it might be different with tweaks here and there depending on the person but yeah. um let's get to let's get to us specifically let's get to you specifically slavic so yeah once you put like pen to paper um yes we can like for example you say like maybe you write down some quotes that you need to look at but at this but there's still structure in, in your message right but you've just you've lived it so much that you can present it without having to read it off some script so what is let's talk about the beginning of your structure how do you set up a structure yeah. of a sermon personally Absolutely. I think if you look at any of my sermons, if they're five minutes or sometimes I think the longest sermons I've done is like a mi- an hour and 10 minutes. Um, so regardless if it's five minutes or an hour and 10 minutes, um, I have pretty much the same structure. Now, of course, you want a new, fresh sermon every single time. And I think that's important because the people that I preach to, you know, they deserve to have a new sermon, you know, like one thing that um, I try not to do is go and preach the same sermon a whole bunch of different churches, because then you forget what church you preached what, and then you might end up preaching the same sermon, right? So I try to always come up with the new sermon unless um, I know that I'm supposed to speak tomorrow, you know, and I'll in that case I'll I'll bring something that I've preached before. Um, so as far as what the structure of the sermon looks like, I think. Uh, for me, I've tried the you know the the typical intro body. For me, that never really worked because it's very technical. Where it's like, okay, guys, I'm gonna like if I went up there and I said, okay, this is my introduction for my sermon. Automatically, sort of puts you into like a PowerPoint presentation mode, right? So for me, it's like I understand that the first maybe two minutes, if I didn't grab the the attention of the audience. I've lost some people, and I'd like to think that people get back on track really quickly, but when their minds wander, oh, they wander. Mm -hmm. They go, you know, so it's like if you didn't grab them in the first few minutes, good luck getting them back, right? So for me, uh, the typical sermon would be uh, scheduled in in a way like this or structured in this way where the first thing that I do, it depends on the audience, but I try to tell them first that, hey, this is something that I've dealt with. This is something that I'm preaching either from my experience or something that God has convicted me of, something that I think our church needs to hear. So I'll normally do something, hey, my name is Slavic, uh, I'm a pastor here, and then but you, he- you came here to hear about Jesus, and here's my, uh, my, my, my passage. We go through the passage. I call to prayer. I pray really quickly for the, the God would open up hearts. And then I normally start with a, uh, some kind of a rhetorical question or something that will grab their attention. So, for example, if I'm preaching on uh, forgiveness or unforgiveness, I will say something along the lines of, have you ever had a moment in your life when, where you could not forgive someone? Well, I had this one time, and then I go into a personal story to let them know that this is something that I myself was convicted of. This is something that I myself, uh, I've dealt with. It's not something that I just sort of read online and I'm conveying this information. No, this is something that has transformed me, right? So that's normal introduction where I try to have some kind of hook for them to be interested, right? Like some kind of story or a rhetorical big question that, you know, they would be like, oh, I really want to know about this, right? And then the next step, and this is uh, modeled based on uh, Andy Stanley has a book called Communication for a Change. And he talks about a structure called me, we, God, you, we. And I know that 
doesn't make much sense right now, but basically he says, you start off by giving a personal story or something that tells the audience that, hey, this is who I am, this is what I've dealt with. And then the next point that you say, you invite the audience on this journey and says, okay, and you say, look, I've dealt with this, but this is not just something that I'm dealing with. I know you're dealing with this too. So then, you know, I would say something, I know that unforgiveness is not just something that I deal with. It's also something that every single person in this audience at some point in life has experienced and maybe they became bitter because of it. So I try to, the next point is to invite the audience and I'll spend quite a significant time here proving to them that they have to listen to this because this is relevant to who they are and what God has called them to do. The next thing would be with the God part. So me, we, we is us together. God is, what does God say about unforgiveness? This is the part where I bring all the exposition, right? Like all the passages, not necessarily all of them, but the most part of my passages and say, okay, this is what God says about unforgiveness. Or, you know, God says that if you forgive, if you're faithful to forgive, I will also be faithful to forgive you. And I can go through passages and passages and passages of what God says about forgiveness or unforgiveness, right? So far, so good? Yeah, so right. So on the third point, so me, I started with the introduction about how I'm dealing with this and then we're all dealing with this and this is what God says about this. And then the next point is you, which basically says this is how what God said about unforgiveness, this is how you make it practical to you. So the first thing to deal with unforgiveness is first repent of your sin, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll give three to five points, right? And I'll labor these points home of what you must do practically. So it's not just this general vague, you know, idea of unforgiveness, but practically what you need to do. God says, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven, right? Like, or, you know, the uh, maybe I'll bring in the parable of the, the guy who owned 500 versus 50 shekels and so on, right? Like that whole parable. So I will kind of prove to people that, hey, this is how you take what God said, and this is how you apply it to your life practically. First, go to the cross, repent. Second, go ahead and forgive people that have hurt you. Third, make sure that you make restitution with people by going and trying to make the situation better from people that you've stolen, with people that you've hurt, right? So I'll give three to five points here. And the last thing that I'll do is I will normally ask the audience one of the most important questions, because at our church, there's always somebody new. I ask them, have you given your life to the Lord? And then if I see no hands or something like that, then I go to the next point and I give him a practical thing, and I would normally ask him, could you take a moment right now, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there's unforgiveness in your heart, and forgive that person right now. I want you to do it right now. So I give them an actual moment where they can do it in this prayer right now, or raise your hand, I wanna pray for you. Depends what the sermon's about. Right now it's about unforgiveness and forgiveness, right? And then I try to cast vision. Imagine if the whole church did this. Right, so these are, I, I ran through it really quickly and I understand some people like, whoa, that was a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is kind of how I schedule it. And here's why this works, I think it works. A lot of preachers, they spend the whole time on the me part and all they talk about is their iPhone and how they're cool. And it's like, nobody cares. You're there to preach Jesus, right? So if you only preach the, the, the me part, you become this narcissist that, that that's all you care about is you. And then, in the Russian or Romanian churches, 
a lot of people spend time on the we part and they talk about all the problems in the church mm-hmm. and it's like okay but there's no hope there all you've done is you told everyone how horrible everyone is <laughs> right or some people will camp on the god part and all they do is go they go from adam to genesis i uh, sorry from genesis to revelation and they read a whole bunch of scripture which is good but there's no application there's you haven't even proven that this scripture that you're reading is really relevant to me so mm-hmm. i checked out already or some people will come up with 26 different points on the you part but they've never labored to point to people that this is why this is important right or somebody will camp on the vision part and all they talk about is how you need to give money and how what we're going but it's like but you haven't labored you haven't brought the word of god in you haven't made this practical you haven't convinced the audience that they should listen to this because this is important right so to me this works because it takes point to point and you first because i mean the first thing that a person does when they come to your church and if they don't know you they decide in the first two or three minutes if they like you or not. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't come to them as relatable, as someone that, hey, I've, I have my own faults too, then they're like, oh, this guy is just really stuck up. Right? So they've checked you out. Like they, I, they checked you out and they decided, okay, I don't want to listen to this guy. So these things work because first you show your vulnerability, then you tell the audience, hey, this is not just my problem, this is everyone's problem. This is called a sin problem for everybody, (laughs) right? And this is what God says about this. And then this is how you apply what God said about this in the you part, one, two, three, four, right? Five, whatever. And then the last part is, this is what you can do right now, and this is what would look like if as a church, all of us did this, where we forgave one another, and we pray for one another, and we sought a restitution, right? So that's kind of my structure. And if you look in pretty much every single sermon that I preach, normally it's structured this way. Now, of course, sermons are different, you know, topics and themes and so on. But the nice thing about this is at any moment, if I forget something, I know where I'm at. If I'm going through a scripture, I know that I'm at the God part. If I'm going through my points, if I forget something, okay, I'm on the you part. Um, you know, so, so to me... It's been very beneficial. Now, of course, the the model I, I kind of borrowed from Andy Stanley, but I kind of made it my own. And I really encouraged, if you're new to preaching, that you develop your own model. Mm-hmm. But make sure you preach Christ. Make sure you're biblical. Make sure that you convince people that this is important for you to listen. Make sure that you're vulnerable. And don't just come across as someone who has got all the answers, because we know nobody's got all the answers except Jesus, right? Like, so... Uh, and then make sure that you give them an actionable thing that they can do right now in this moment to pray for. Or if they have not given their life to the Lord, they will give the life to the Lord. So I know those, that's a bit long-winded, but this is kind of how I structure them. No, and I think that's a really good structure because it's applicable to, to everyone. And you can kind of follow this thread. And um, one of the one of the main issues, and this for especially for an inexperienced preacher, when they preach uh, like an... In, linearly like in a straight line if if they don't have a good structure like you set up they're just like going somewhere with no direction right it's one line and you once you fall off that track it's very hard to kind of catch up so it's really important to to recognize that and to make sure like like you said develop your own model um as you as yeah. you progress as you get older um however for and then I'll, and I'll say that i'll say this just because like i know we're doing an episode on this and i'm for me personally, I'm not I'm not claiming that I'm some you know Billy Graham or whatever. I'm not. I'm I'm 
still relatively new. I've been preaching under five years and I'm, I'm still growing and trying to improve each and every single time. So take that from me. Slavic is obviously much more experienced. You could, you could look up to him all you want, you know, um, when it comes to that. But for me, what I, what I found helpful and I, I like to, I like to stick to the basics. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of the, the three point sermon. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the three point sermon. And, and the reason why it's basic is because it provides an easy structure, not only for the audience mm-hmm to follow but for you to follow as well in case you get lost um but if you look if you think if you think back to grade school um elementary school middle school for for you guys who i'm sure in 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 europe too but for for those of you who grew up in america here we were writing the essays we were writing in elementary middle school were basically thesis body paragraph one two three conclusion right yep (laughs) and then that's what they were kind of just like really pushing so Driving hard home. exactly yeah. and then once you get older once you write college papers it's you can be a little more elaborate right and they don't have to teach you that because you already know that and then you can get a little creative then you can do the whole you know me we god me we and and, yeah. and all of that yeah. and you can kind of but be, if you, once you have that base and that skeleton it kind of gives you the liberty Absolutely. to to start doing that so if you're if you're a young preacher out there and you're starting off uh, start off with the three-point sermon and then kind of develop your style as you go there just because I think it's yeah. going to help you just as much as it helps the audience. Um, yeah. But, I mean, one of the most... I mean, when I'm looking at a sermon, because um, I've listened to my fair share of good ones and my fair share of bad ones as well, um, like we said, Jesus has to, has to be at the center of it and you have to mention Scripture. Like you yeah. said, a lot of... And, and, and maybe not so mu- so much in our communities just because... Um, we're kind of condemned and judged if we do the opposite. So we've kind of, I guess we had that sort of guidance, if you can call it. But in the mega church, and we actually we actually, we actually talked about this, about this on our last episode when we talked about mega right, church pastors. Right. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them focus on the me. It's all about me. It's all about, and they may not directly say it, but it's the way that they present themselves, they dress, the jokes, the the charm, and they don't use scripture because they they can get away with inspirational. Uh, quotes and like you said charm and humor and whatever and that's their sermon and that's that's it and then all, all those people all all they all they are is just a part of a community and there's no there's no feeding there's no biblical uh just study at all in in any of those so i think it's really important that first we like stick to the bible no matter what whether it's your yeah. structure whether it's another structure whether you have three points and all three of your points make sure there's a, a scripture reference each and one of those points um, yeah. And I think that's super important as well. And um, uh, I-, I liked your intro. And then in the conclusion as well, like what I do a lot is I always ask questions at the end to kind of like mm-hmm. as my call to action. There has to be a call to action. Number one, in every sermon, there has to be a call to repentance, right? Absolutely. If we're if we're if it's all about Jesus, it's about repentance because we're sinners and we need to be repentant. But we ask, I, I try to ask questions to kind of set the tone and and kind of bring all the three points together and, and uh, create this perspective for the audience member to kind of look forward. Like, okay, how does this actually apply to me? And is it something that I should be worried about? Because if it is, then I need to address that in the following prayer or when I go home or whatever. But I think doing that and keeping it simple um, is very important. But honestly, and I think we may be getting giving a lot of people the benefit of the doubt, but having a main point. You'd be surprised yeah, yeah. how many people do not have a main point. And I think that's 
one of the <laughs> worst things you can do. Just talk, talk, talk. Like you said, some person yeah. maybe just mentioning a block. He's talking about a block of scripture, and that's it. No application, no yeah. thesis, no main point, and then you're going to lose people, and that's how it is. My professor usually used to say that an essay has to be like a body. There has to be a skeleton. There has to be muscles, and there has to be skin. Mm -hmm. I think you could apply the same sort of imagery here where it's like you have your structure, but I think the next thing is you have to have the muscles. And muscles is all the things that make the sermons work. For example, transition. Uh, transitions. If you're not transitioning from one point to another, if you have these awkward pauses, right, like where where you just kind of like leave the audience hanging. Like to me, it's always about eye contact. I'm like, hey, look at me. Like I, I try to get that point across. And the way I do that is I work on the transitions, on the things that make the whole thing come together. Um, and then the finally is like the skin part, which would be like the little, um, you know, humor and the little words that I use to make it pretty, to polish it, to, to come across as something that, hey, this is really thought out. It wasn't just something that like, you don't start like, this is my introduction. Because to be fair, I started with the, the one that you mentioned, right? Like with the introduction, body, conclusion, right? And I think that's a, that's a great way of doing it. But if you get up there and you're like, hey guys, this is my introduction. Hey guys, this is my body, yeah. right? This would be a weird, it would be a weird sermon because people are like, what are you doing? This is a presentation, you know. But to me, um, it, it, you know, if you don't have these things, it's like imagine if you had a body with no skeleton, it just collapses on the floor, mm -hmm. right? If all you had is skin, it was just a lump on the floor, right? It would, <laughs> it would be weird, right? Same thing here. It's like you have to have a good structure. Then you add these things in place, the transitions, right? The, your your tone intonation, like uh, sorry, your tone intonation, where you know how there's preachers that they yell the whole time oh, and yeah. yelling the whole time. They cause everyone to sort sort of sit as back as they can, and they're kind of like almost defending themselves because you're yelling at them. And then you have the people who are very monotone where people kind of leaning in, but they're getting kind of born, uh, bored uh, of, of you being like, you know, like on the same line. My approach has always been you sort of draw them in with, with questions and very like, you know, uh, soft voice. But then when you make your highlight point, you drive that home loudly, right? Like yeah. you drive that home. And so you draw them in and then, and then you, you kind of, emphasize the big parts where you want them to remember a specific point. Now, if I see someone, and you know how you're on stage, if you're on stage, you see everyone who's sleeping, who's on their phone, you see all of that happening, mm -hmm. right? So if I see someone sleeping, I'll throw a little bit of humor, and then you'll see that person wake up and like, oh, what did I miss? What did I miss? <laughs> like, so to me, humor is a tool. I don't use, I'm not a comedian. I'm not there to make jokes. But to me, saying something funny, when I know somebody's sleeping and they wake up and they're like, oh, what did I miss? What did I miss, right? These are all part of kind of like the muscles that make the sermon kind of like oiled up and makes it work. And then the words that you use, the the voice, the inclination, all of these things is, is kind of completes the body. It's like just like a skin. Like imagine if you had, you saw someone who has no skin, right? That would be a really weird sight to see, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing here. Like you have to make sure that before you get up there, you thought these transitions through. You thought, okay, how am I gonna get people to 
because think about this, your typical average person has, this, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe they changed now, but not long ago, it was 17 minutes. Their attention span was average. It was 17 minutes. We're preaching sometimes for 45 to one hour. That's three times the average. So you're asking people to give you that attention for three times more that they can actually focus, right? So to me is keeping them interested. To me, I take it, I don't take it personal, but if I see someone on their phone, that means that I'm not getting their attention. So I need to, you know, communicate in a way that everyone listens. So I don't blame them like, oh, they shouldn't be on their church, on, on, the, on their phone in church. I don't blame them. To me, I take that as a challenge that I need to get across and I need to get that person to hear me. And sometimes I'll use humor. Now, I don't really write jokes in my, my sermons, but I'll say something and it comes across as funny, even though it cuts to the heart. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, so to me, um, you know, and sometimes like I say something and people laugh, and I don't know why that was funny. <laughs> so you have those moments, um, and sometimes people will tell you that you have really bad dad jokes because the way you said something or whatever. But um, I would say humor quotes, things that make the sermon work, are things that you've really um, thought through. That you thought through the transitions. I think, okay, how do I get from talking about how this is a personal issue to me to this is a personal issue for everybody here, right? Or how do I bring it and I make the gospel uh, of Jesus beautiful? How do I make, how do I magnify Jesus? I think about this, okay, how do I glorify Jesus in this whole sermon, right? How do I make sure that people don't get bored on my third point and the you part, right? Like when I give them practical advice, make sure that they actually is practical advice that that is interesting. It's not like, oh, here's another PowerPoint presentation, which by the way, I don't ever do PowerPoint because I, I get so distracted with them, mm-hmm. right? For me, it's a connecting, like for me, looking people in the eyes and, and, and if I see someone who's not paying attention, I'm challenged by that to get them to pay attention, right? Um, so like a good body would have a, a skeleton, muscles and, and skin, uh, a sermon needs to have structure. It needs to have transitions and things that make that skeleton work. And then it needs to be pretty in a sense that like you've really thought through how, how, you know, how do you present yourself on stage? Like, I remember I get really, uh, this is a personal issue, but like I get really hot because I have a really mm-hmm. time, uh, hard time sweating. So I know I never preach in sweaters. I never preach in, uh, in things that make me extremely hot because then I'm thinking about how, how hot the building is, right? Or making sure that your belt is not too tight, making sure that that I have, I, I love preaching with headsets mics because it gives both my hands uh, the freedom to be able to really communicate with my hands. Game changer, right? yeah. <laughs> making sure that you have water right next to you just in case, making sure that my scriptures are all in one place so I'm not flipping and and asking people to wait on me because I know every single 30 seconds or 15 seconds that I'm not communicating, normally people start to disconnect, right? So to me, I think of every single detail. I know now I have this uh, body pack that I use for wireless headsets that has like a, a monitor out. So I have a monitor in my ear. So if I'm yelling and that's hurting people, usually hurts me first, 
Mm-hmm. So, because you know, when you're on a stage, especially if you're in a big building, you don't really hear yourself because you're behind the monitors. Yeah. So sometimes they don't have good monitors and you're yelling and people are just like, why is this guy yelling? And you have no idea that you're yelling because, you know, you don't hear yourself. So now having that monitor in my ear where if I'm yelling and I'm hurting people with my yelling, normally it hurts my ear first. So I know that I need to quiet down, right? So thinking about, Every single thing, you know, having, making sure that, you know, my laptop or whatever I have up there, it's on mute and it's on silent and it's on airplane mode. Like I have a whole checklist of the things that I do, making sure that I don't have anything on my body that's distracting. Like I don't wear rings and, and I, I don't know where your position is on that, where anybody else's position. But to me, it's like, I don't want to ever wear something to distract from the message. If a person is up there and like, why is Slavic wearing pants that are so tight or he has holes in his pants or whatever that is, right? Like to me, I don't ever want to take away from the message. So like when I preach, I try to dress as boring as I can, just a regular shirt, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I don't want to distract from the message I'm trying to communicate, you know? So all of these working together is I think what makes a, a, a big difference. Absolutely. And I, I remember um, this was a long at my church a long time ago on one of our youth nights, uh, like a weekly youth nights. Um, and this guy is not around anymore. But uh, there was this guy who got asked to give like a, a prayer exhortation. And this is back in the day when we we had the, the wired mics. Right. So he was so nervous that he was with, with his left hand. He was holding the microphone with his right hand. He was like fiddling with the with the wire, with the cord. That by the end of the five minutes, he was his hands were like tangled and he was stuck. And he had to get help to like to kind of untangle him. Like he was so nervous, he was just like talking and not even noticing what he was doing that he got stuck with the wire and and it was just like it was it was hilarious, you know, even to this day, Bro. just just hearing that story. But one thing I noticed is like you cannot allow anything to distract you because every single sermon there's something happening in the service to distract you. It's either a baby crying mm-hmm. or somebody slamming the door too too hard. I remember one time where I got on um, like one thing that that I didn't realize how difficult it was is um, our church started to do church in a theater. And this is at Bellevue uh, Lincoln Square, which is a really nice theater that has really reclining seats. So imagine, we have this makeshift stage. So I get on the stage, this stage is shaky. So when you walk on it, it's already kind of like shaky, right? And then I get up there and everyone is extremely reclined in their seats. So imagine like you come and you see the whole congregation and they're reclined like, okay, entertain me type of thing, you know? And that was so distracting for me. And then one of the guys laid on the row (laughs) you know like down and and then uh, you know times where i get up there and the thing that you put your laptop or it's crooked right Mm -hmm. and like you know i'm one of those people that have to straighten it but this one time it would not straighten so in those moments i have to consciously say i will not focus on that because the enemy will try to distract you with things that are happening in the service, with noises, with kids, with this, that, that. So you have to make a conscious decision not to be distracted and say, okay, I'm fully in the moment right now and preaching this because the moment you lose your train of thought, the moment, you know, so so I learned how to do sound in, in the sense that like I know how wireless audio works. That way I know if I have feedback, I know not to walk in front of the monitors. Like all this stuff is... Is something that you learn with with the trade, but are so important because if one of these things happen, then it throws you completely off your game. 
Like if you're if you forgot that your batteries are you know are dying in your wireless pack, and you're in the middle of saying a really powerful point, and then the my, uh, wireless mic starts to cut cut off. So it's like I don't I don't want to say that I don't trust my sound guys because I trust my sound guys, but I check everything. <laughs> to make sure that when I get up there and you still have things that go wrong, you know, you still have, but in those moments when things do go wrong, you have to not focus on that and focus on what you're there to do. Uh, and, and I think all of this is part of constantly preparing yourself, you know, but one thing I didn't mention as much is the studying part. I mean, know your stuff. You can't just get up there and wing it. People know, like people are masters Mm-hmm. at knowing if you actually have studied this, if this has touched your life or not. They know this. The moment you're communicating, and, and you know, like I expect when a, it's a young kid that gets up there and kind of wings it, I get it, he's a kid. But if you claim to be a preacher and you've been doing this for a long time, and if you don't know your stuff, people will know this quickly. And, and you know, studying and preparing, I think it's it's massive. Oh yeah, for sure. And and the thing is like you're dealing with the generation maybe back in the day in 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 Moldova and Romania, you know, our 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 ancestors were farmers, you know, they could get away with saying whatever because a lot of people couldn't read mm-hmm. 100 years ago. But now I mean you're dealing with the with a very educated uh generation and and I and I'm like I I don't know, for me it's kind of a hobby just to like critique preachers not not in a bad way to kind of pull them down but mentally to kind of like analyze every little aspect of it because i'm like listen you have a you have a great responsibility from god to speak the the truth and the gospel to these people which some of some of which may not be saved and not be in in, uh just in the church they might be visitors or whatever you have this amazing not only responsibility but opportunity to do this and if you're gonna if this if there's gonna be a hiccup somewhere in between it better you know it I mean, it better be worth it. You know, you can't go up there unprepared. You can't go up there not knowing yeah. what you're saying. And if and if you are, I mean, listen, it, speaking and teaching is not everyone's gift. And there, yeah. you, you got to understand where where you got to draw the line. But um, even if it's not, and I understand sometimes in our churches, it's not. But you could still prepare and, and put something good out there. But if you're not preparing, if you don't put effort, if you don't care. I'm a person. I personally have a huge problem with that, and I'll I'll typically call that person out. I'm like, what, like, what yeah. was that, bro? Like, come on. And uh, I don't yeah. know. I, I just it's fun for me to kind of do that. So so uh, don't ever tell me, you know, don't in a group setting. Don't tell me like, oh, that was such an amazing sermon because I'm gonna have some like you know points to kind of to pick at just because yeah. it's fun for me. But but yeah, that's that's typically how but it goes. I think yeah. Another thing that's kind of even worse is when a preacher start off what I would call on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll get up there and they'll say a joke that has nothing to do with anything, right? Or um, I know this is this is a modern day phenomenon, and like I don't want to, I'm I'm not I don't want to mention names or make fun of this, but like for example, take the idea of like somebody getting up there and they have fake glasses on, right? As a <laughs> as a that like narrowed know, it down a, to like five people, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they have fake glasses, right? Okay. I'm not attacking, like, you know, you can wear things as accessories. I get that. But the point of glasses is for you to see better, right? Now, I know that some people wear them as as accessories, and I I understand, but but I'm trying to take this innocent sort of thing and kind of, like, trying to make a point out of it. And and this is the point. The point is, when you get up there with something that's fake, you don't need those glasses, but you wear them. And you're about to tell people the most important truth of your life. Right. So it's, for me, it's like 
you're kind of starting on the wrong foot. If I get up there, or some people, somebody will get up there and they'll say a small lie, like, you guys are the best people that have ever lived in history. It's like, the truth is, you. I, I guess you could say that, but like, it's not very honest. It's debatable, right? like, yeah. It's debatable if you're the best, right? And, and I don't even know if that's a good example. But what I'm trying to say is be careful what you say because last thing you want to do is shoot your credibility before you even say something, right? So for me, it's like, don't lie to the audience. Don't trip the audience. Don't prank the audience. Don't shame the audience. Don't have things on you that completely, you know, when, when you get up there and you have a whole bunch of pan, uh, holes in your pants, but you're talking and you have a shirt that's so tight that your muscles are ripping it, right? And then you get up there, but bro, it's all about Jesus. And it's like, no, dude, like, <laughs> no, you want to show off your muscles. That This is the reason why you went and shopped in the kids section, right? Like, this is, this is, you're starting in the wrong foot here. And like, I know I'm trying, I'm not trying to be crass or funny, but I'm, I'm just saying like, guys, when I get up there, you're building credibility. You're trying to convince the audience that, hey, you should listen to this. I, what I'm about to tell you is the most important truth. And not only is the most important, it's also very, very, very true. But when you start off by lying or pranking or guilting the audience or, you know, wearing something that, you know, you don't really have a problem with vision, but you're wearing fake glasses, somebody might look at that and categorize you with a whole bunch of other people that they don't like. And you're kind of, now, of course, you cannot control how people feel about you. But to me, it's like, the less I give the audience to judge me on, the more they can focus on what I have to say. Right? So, so being a simple person, you know, that that is this confident yet humble, right? And your approach. And and I think those things matter because if somebody doesn't know, like, of course, like if I saw you do that, I know you as a friend. I know you. I've had, you know, quite a bit of experience just talking to you. I know you were your heart. Just be just because you wear a ring or you wear fake glasses, I'm not like, oh man, this guy is horrible. Mm -hmm. But some people don't know you. Yeah. And all they have to judge you on, right, or, or kind of like know if they want to listen to you or not, is where you present yourself in that moment. And I'm like, don't give them a reason. And this is not to make fun of people that do that. Like, please hear my heart on this. I'm not trying to make fun of people here. I'm just saying, give people reasons to know that you're credible. Mm -hmm. You know, give people reasons to like you, not for the sake of, oh, I want to be liked, but for the sake of, hey, I want them to know Christ. I, I don't want to be a distraction. You remember, remember how John the Baptist says, I must decrease so he might increase, mm -hmm. right? I need to take the spotlight off of me and how I'm dressed and how I conduct myself and put it on, on Jesus. And that is what I'm really trying to get this, this you know, generation to understand is, man, like, we have this amazing, amazing, you know, message. We have, I mean, what other profession God partners up with you to see a broken world restored and redeemed? And what other line of work do you get to do this? I mean, this is, this is amazing. You know, God is partnering up. God is trusting you with the best that he has, namely the gospel, the good news. 
And we are so nonchalantly get up there and we sort of make it about ourselves and what we're dressed and we're cool and we're wearing our cool sneakers and because you want to end up on preachers and sneakers. I don't know. Like, no, it's not about that. It's about preaching Christ. And I don't want to go on a tangent, but I already went. So <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. And not only like, and, and I'll kind of conclude this point with this because we got one yeah. more thing to get to, but yeah. not only just... Uh, how you were, how you present yourself up there on stage, but how you present yourself the other six mm-hmm. days a week that you're with within Absolutely. that community. Like, you can't be free to do what you want and post what you want on social media. You can't, you you, you literally, as a preacher, you cannot be in a, even if you're not saying the the crude joke, like a slightly inappropriate joke. You can't be in that group and just like laugh it off. Like there there are times where you, I mean, if there are other people in that group, even if you're not laughing, like. You have to, sometimes you have the pressure to call that out because other people are going to see them. If they see these issues, they're not, they're going to kind of revoke you and kind of put, set you aside as a credible source of, of, of the gospel. And that's a problem. And it may not be your problem, but it might be someone else's problem to basically us becoming a stumbling block to them. So if you're, if you're up there and, and this is not just preaching, this is leading worship. This is any form of ministry, even if it's something that doesn't get recognized as much. It's important how we live our lives outside because, yeah, our hearts may be good and that's great, but a, a slight hiccup could could ruin a reputation. And there, there's a saying: it's yeah. like it takes 20 years to build a reputation, and it takes 20 seconds to destroy it. And it's yeah. so important to to deal with that as well and, and keep that in mind because at the end of the day, you are speaking to a lot of people, a lot of which may not know you. But uh, the last thing I wanted to to, to kind of talk about with you, Slavic, mm-hmm. today is that, and we know. Just as sure as the law of gravity and the law of thermodynamics, there's another law when it comes to preaching, and that's no one ever does that great on their first sermon. That's like a, you know, we yeah. we all look back at our first sermon, and it, it was not great to come. Cringe. Com- yeah, it was cringe, yeah, compared to where we're at now. Now, let's yeah. say this person has listened to this advice. They kind of went through these steps, and they preached their sermon. How do you as a preacher, what's what steps do you take to improve each and every time you, you, you go up there? Yeah, I honestly can say that I do not listen to myself. I try not to listen to sermons, and my friends know this. And a lot of times, even this week, as a uh, whenever they get annoyed annoyed with me, they'll play one of my sermons back to me on the loudspeaker because <laughs> they know how much I dislike that. Um, so I think I don't know if there's people that actually like listening to themselves. I don't like listening to my voice. I don't like. I don't know why, but. Um, I've been podcasting since 2016, I believe. And I recommend that every single preacher um, examines their own preaching through video and audio, right? Because you never can really watch yourself while you're doing it. But when you have audio or video of it, uh, I I would see so many things that I would do and I would force myself to to listen because I had to edit the podcast to upload them, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember how listening to the whole sermon, I'm like, man, I think I said, you know, like a thousand times, like, oh, you know, yeah. you know, like, you know, like, 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 you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, and, and these things become very, very apparent really quickly when you step back and you watch a video or even though you don't like engaging that process you have to you have to constantly examine because if you don't examine it you don't improve so to me i would preach a sermon then go home and edit that podcast and the next sermon i would try to have those notes from that podcast saying okay 
stop saying this. You know, I would say you guys a lot, you guys. And I'm like, okay, maybe switch it to friends or beloved. You know, I know a lot of people don't say beloved anymore, but like, um, because you guys, it's a, such a like almost a teens thing. You know, it's not like people that are older, they don't address each other as you guys, you know? Um, so for me, podcasting um, has been such a blessing tool because you're editing not just for the sake of editing, but you also are able to reach a new audience. Um, my podcast right now on a given day, you could have anywhere from 20 to 120 downloads a day. I'm sure your your podcast probably even more. Um, but having people from different countries, you know, uh, some days, and so I'll get 100 downloads a day. My church right now, on a given Sunday, we might have 80 to 100 people. So being able to to preach to so many more people, but I would never do that if I didn't force myself to listen to my sermons, edit them, upload them, you know? And then now I look back in 2016 and now you can actually do inventory and say, okay, when I was in 2016, I did not emphasize uh, or emphasize who Jesus was as much. So you can actually uh, kind of do inventory of what you preached about and how well you did with the knowledge that you have now. So I strongly encourage, find a way to examine your preaching, be it through a video, maybe you're doing a YouTube channel, or maybe you're doing a podcast, or maybe you just go and watch your church's you know, live streams and make sure that every single sermon you do that. It's extremely important because you cannot improve something unless you examine it, unless you see where you made mistakes, and then maybe have people like I... My uh, people, uh, the people that I go to church with and then the younger preachers who are preaching, normally when they preach, I take a whole bunch of notes and then give them the notes. And I say, hey, you did really good right here. I don't know what this was about. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and like, um, I'll give them pointers saying, hey, you did really good. You projected your voice. You did this, 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 this. Uh, this you need to be improved on. So find someone that's maybe more mature than you are that does this for you. Find someone like, you know, my mentor Chip is for me where he'll look at me and say, Slavi, get off the cross, yeah. <laughs> preach Jesus, you know, and I, I strongly encourage that every single person should have someone who is watching and examines their sermons and you yourself are examining yourself and your audio, even though you might not like listening to yourself. Absolutely. And honestly, similar about the podcasting has helped so much. And for me, not only listening to a sermon, but I hated hearing the sound of my voice over recording. Like, and I'm sure a lot of people out there, same exact way. And and I'm not honestly, I don't really listen to to my stuff that often. And uh, just because I know, just since it's the beginning of December right now, the the Spotify Wrapped is all coming out. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few friends send me screenshots of their top five podcasts, and the Potter's House would be on there. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, but. For you guys, as a disclaimer out there, just to make a statement, my podcast is not in my top five podcasts. So, so I don't, I don't listen to my like I don't, I honestly don't listen to myself just because you know once you live through it and edit it, I'm not gonna like it's like listening to it like third time, you know. But, but, but listening to it and in in kind of hearing your voice and then finally listening to the like once I started posting sermons on here too, it's really helped because you yeah. kind of like hear okay maybe I should work on this like for me personally example there there are times where my head works too fast like faster than my mouth does and then i start like slurring and stumbling on words Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i don't slow things down even even when i podcast even when i either podcast or preach whatever it is so hearing that it's like you know i'm I'm looking for like oh what did did i mess up on this point was that transition okay and then i noticed this total different thing that i never would have expected 
that's when you, you can try to correct it. And I think that listening to yourself, going back, um, I mean, I know the whole audio video thing is awkward too. Cause it's like, man, like what kind of facial expression was that? Or like, I'm waving my hands too much, but it honestly helps. It's awkward. Yep. It's cringe, but it honestly helps. And you get used to it. Like yeah. right now, I mean, I don't have a problem listening to my own voice just cause like I got used to it. And then, um, you, you kind of grow from there. But again, having someone like, like you said, someone out there, older, more experienced, who's been doing this a lot longer than you. I mean, there are a few people who give me pointers uh, in my church, and and they're typically like, "Oh, make sure make sure you're not reading too much, or kind of make your iPad a little more discreet, so you're not visibly scrolling, or try more intonations with your voice, or or different things here and there, or maybe a, a better application." So, listening to these things from people who have been been through all that, who have gone through all of this, really helps you, and it, and it's not not only in preaching, but in as a Christian person as well, and it's, it's very humbling to take advice from someone um, who's been analyzing and examining yeah. your life and your message and your sermon. So I think I think all that together really, really makes uh, a big difference. But Slavic, as we wrap this episode up, I know we kind of, we laid it all out yeah. there when it comes to preparation, when it comes to what we're doing actually on stage, whether it's the content, the structure, or our, our presentation. And we also talked about going forward and improving. Uh, see, it's like I'm, I'm preaching right now. I'm listening to three points, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's good. And now I'm going to ask a question. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you had to like summarize this whole thing into, in, into a short statement for, for, for someone out there who's a young preacher who's trying to improve or for people out there who maybe listen to the wrong people on YouTube, what would you want to say? What, what would be your message to those people? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity because I think that's the whole point why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing that I realized kind of early on, um, I would say that God cares about the people you preach to more than you care about them. Absolutely. And the sovereignty of God is so amazing. And I know that as you're starting your preaching career, um, that you're going to make mistakes. And understand that it's it's okay. I mean, you got to make mistakes. And of course, you don't willfully want to make them, but you will. But if you are committed to Jesus, if you're committed to, uh, to, to walk with him, if you're committed to the calling that Jesus has given you, he that started a good work in you, he'll bring it to completion. And we preach. We preach Christ. We preach the good news because that's the best thing that we can ever do with our lives. So when you get discouraged, when you feel like giving up, understand that this is the greatest calling that you'll ever get. There is no other, you know, I know Elon Musk is pretty cool, but even Elon Musk's job is not as important as the job that you do as a preacher. And that is, I mean, what what other profession, like I've mentioned before, has this amazing opportunity to partner up with God to see a broken world being restored and changed and transformed. So I want to encourage you that even as you make mistakes, that you are committing yourself to studying, to show yourself approved, to allowing the Holy Spirit to to convict you and for you to repent. But at the same time, care about the calling that God's given you and understand that God cares more about these people and He will accomplish the very work that He wants to accomplish from the beginning through you, even though you might not do it perfectly. Yeah, and regardless of whether or not you're called to a life of teaching and preaching, 
regardless of who we are and what gifts we have, we're all called to be ministers of the word. And depending, regardless of, of what setting that is, whether it's a pulpit, whether it's in the streets, whether it's on the other side of the earth, of the globe, we're all called to be ministers of the word and we have to be in our word daily. We have to be in prayer daily, submitting to the Holy Spirit and following Christ and everything that he did. So praise God for that. Slavic, thank you so much for being on. It's been it's been a joy and a pleasure having you on here for the second time. And I, and I'm, I can speak personally that I was truly edified by our conversation for the second time around and I'm sure everyone else out there. So thank you so much for being on. Also, thank you so much for the opportunity, man. Love you, bro, and love you what you're doing, and God bless you. And I, I, see, I watch your podcast, and I listen to your podcast, and I'm like, man, he's doing such a, an amazing job. And I think the conversations that you have are so important to be had in the church and the culture at large. So thank you. Praise God. Love you too, bro. And it's, it's always great to have you on. And looking forward to a time in the future where we can do this again. But Slavic, uh, for the people out there who, if they want to find you on the internet, if they want to find your sermon podcast, where can they do all of those things? So I, uh, if you search under my name, Slavic Morado, all my social media, and any, pretty much I'm on all the social media platforms. And, um, you know, I have links to all the other stuff. So you can find me on any, any platform by searching for my name. Perfect. And I will post and share those things as well on the Instagram and they'll be able to find that. So thank you again for that. And thank you guys for listening out there. Thank you for sticking through and, and just, even if it's not your calling specifically, it's, it's always important to kind of to study these things and recognize these things. And maybe it will be, maybe it's not the time now, but God will work in your life. And as Slavic said, Uh, He's going to complete that good work that he started in each and every single one of us. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Just a couple of short announcements as we wrap things up. Instagram, you guys already know, at The Potter's House. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other platforms as well. Leave a review, tap the stars, it helps the exposure. And then we do have that conference coming up. So check out uh, on Instagram, at New Year's OC. And then on that Linktree link, you can click on, you can register, leave your name and where you're from just so we can get better Uh, idea of the numbers the attendance so we can accommodate you all and then uh, also you can uh, you can join the group me which is also on that link tree and uh, that's where i'm going to be most of us are going to be posting updates leading up to the conference as well so i hope to see you there it'll be a blessed time exciting time and i'm looking forward to it so thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next time